Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 997 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday, August the 4th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure to check out the entirety of the Locked On Podcast Network. We've got everything covered for you in the Big Four Sports and the NCAA. If you have a team in sports other than the Toronto Raptors that you like, please go and listen to the corresponding local show covering that team every single day in the same local depth that you get on this podcast, except most of the other hosts are much better than I am. So go and listen to them. They're fantastic. Uh, and I we always appreciate you supporting following and uh, giving love to all of the shows on the network that you like uh all right on today's show it's just me going solo and i've been kind of in a bit of a waiting period right now the toronto raptors are still apparently sorting through whatever the hell is going to happen with goran dragic and whether or not he's going to be on the team whether he's going to be on the dallas mavericks whether he'll be on some other team we don't know just yet I was trying to hold off on recording as long as I could before uh, maybe some news came down today, but I have to record now. I'm going to the Blue Jays games tonight, so I have to get this thing recorded at at some time. And so it's 2.45 Eastern time as I record this right now. It could be out of date very soon, but that's living in free agency for you, I suppose. So what do we know right now? We're going to talk about the Goran Dragic trade that could potentially happen with the Mavericks. We'll talk about, you know, the potential packages that come back, could come back to the Raptors there and what we're looking at what we'd be looking at in terms of um you know just the salaries and the different machinations of all of it we'll get to that also want to get into the idea of maybe just keeping Goran Dragic and talking about what he could bring just being on the team himself I touched on it a little bit yesterday but I'll dig into it a little bit more depth here and then to close off we have some farewells to bid to some former Toronto Raptors now in Aaron Baines Rodney Hood Paul Watson Jr. and DeAndre Bembry couple of those ones totally expected one of them i'm not so pleased about but we'll get to that a little bit later on let's start with the goran dragic trade package again we have no idea what's going to happen here it seems like maybe it's most likely he's not going to leave the raptors which we'll address in the next segment but for the purposes of the start of the show let's talk about what a trade could look like with the mavericks basically the cat math of it all in the sort of the simplest terms and huge thank you as always to Raptors HQ's Daniel Hackett who is an absolute wizard at the salary cap and I DM all the time asking does this work for the salary cap how does this work what does this mean and he's always super quick and amazing to respond Hackett's the best uh basically through my conversations with Hackett and just through reading other people's stuff the Return for the Raptors would have to amount to $14.44 million or more in returning salary in exchange for Goran Dragic's $19.44 million. It's got to be a $5 million difference for the Cavs to take Dragic into their team and I think stay underneath the hard cap or the tax, whatever it is. I'm not going to get into the minutia. That's what it's got to be. 14.44 is exactly the number that or higher. You can't come in below that. So that kind of limits the options of what the Mavericks could send back to the Raptors. The main 
guy to throw around here is Dwight Powell. He makes 11 million bucks. That's a big chunk of that salary taken care of. This team also has like a dozen centers between Boban and uh, like Chris Stapps Porzingis, Willie Colley Stein. They have Maxi Kleba, who plays center sometimes. They've got a million bigs. They got Moses Brown, who they just traded for, who you'd figure maybe they want to get some run to see what kind of upside there might be there. There's a lot of bigs on this Mavericks team. Dwight Powell is obviously a useful one. He does lots of nice things. He's a good little passer. He is a good defender. You know, he kind of does nitty gritty, ugly, non sexy center things, but you need nitty gritty, ugly, non sexy center things, and Dwight Powell brings them. But he would be the piece for the Raptors. It sounds as though there, you know, some of the reporting is that maybe the Mavs aren't super thrilled about moving on from Powell. Sort of speaking with uh, Nick Angstad, who hosts Locked On Mavericks, which is a great show. You could listen to that if you want some of the other side of this Drogic talk. Um, you know, Nick was kind of pointing out that yeah, Powell doesn't really seem like someone they want to move on from for some reason. I guess you know he's I guess better than a lot of the other centers they have, even though they do have a good bounty of them. Um, and there's also some reporting from Tim McMahon who pointed out on the low post yesterday that maybe the Mavs aren't thrilled about bringing in a $19 million Gordon Dragic at all. I think, you know, the one year $19 million hit, I don't know why that would be such a, de- a deterrent to the Mavericks and bringing him in. And I think if you're looking at it, the way you should look at most trades as to what does each team get out of this from the Mavericks side of things, it's a player like Goran Dragic who, yes, he's had some injuries recently, but he is a good ball handler. He could be a supplementary ball handler to uh, Luka Doncic and make it so Doncic doesn't have to create literally everything. Their next best playmaker on the team is maybe Jalen Brunson or Tim Hardaway Jr. Brunson really struggled in the postseason and Tim Hardaway Jr. is kind of a tunnel vision guy and is not really setting other guys up. Goran Dragic can do that part of the job and be a nice fit as a bench piece or even a starter next to Doncic in the backcourt. Like there's a lot of reasons why or how the Mavericks could use Dragic. So I don't know if it's posturing. I don't know if they just really kind of have a different valuation of what Dragic is, but I I think there is certainly a match there, you know, between team need for the Mavericks and what Dragic could bring despite the pretty healthy price tag for this season. The other sort of side of it is what do the Raptors get out of it? And they have to make it worth their while, of course, because there is the other alternative to just keep Goran Dragic, which we'll get to again in a couple seconds here. But in terms of what the Raptors would be wanting back, obviously Powell is the main piece, and then it's kind of figuring out which other pieces fit in to make the money work. And basically, because of what Powell makes and because you need to get to that 14.44 uh, threshold, the options are pretty slim, honestly. It's like Trey Burke you could throw in and it would work. You could throw in, um, I believe, I guess Dorian Finney-Smith would work, although I, I don't know why the Mavericks would trade him. He's like their best defender and a nice wing player. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein could work, even they just picked up his team option, so he is movable. And that's kind of it. After that, you have to put multiple contracts together. The other guys in that sort of multiple contract bin would be Josh Green, their first round pick from last year, who did not really do much this season. Um, And, you know, same with Tyrell Terry, their other first round pick from this past year, who did not do much this season. The Mavericks really did not do so hot in the 2020 draft, as it turns out, um, at least after one year. Terry, I think, had some off-court stuff, uh, some personal things that kept him away from the floor, which hope all is well with Tyrell Terry, but certainly that's, uh, you know, he's kind of a distressed asset at this point. And so 
you're looking to sort of cobble together some of these guys. The other one is Jalen Brunson, who makes $1.8 million. Again, I don't know why the Mavericks would move on from him. He was really good on a very cheap deal that seems like a guy they'd want to keep around, even though he wasn't awesome in the postseason. And then Moses Brown makes $1.7, but he can't be traded for two months because he was recently traded from Boston to uh, Dallas for Josh Richardson. So basically, you're looking at a combination of Dwight Powell, Josh Green, Tyrell Terry, or you swap in Trey Burke, and that's kind of what you're looking at. I don't think Trey Burke does anything for the Raptors. He would not play ahead of either of their point guards. They would be even more invested in playing Delano Banton at this point than they would be in Trey Burke. I don't think that is an option, and I don't think that's something the Raptors would want. Maybe that's what the haggling is over right now. Maybe the, the Mavs want the Raptors to take on Trey Burke in his two years and 3.1 mil. Um, the other sort of package is Josh Green plus Tyrell Terry plus Dwight Powell. And and that, I think, is probably the package the Raptors are pushing for. And I would guess the Mavericks are probably saying, but those are our two most recent first-round draft picks. Why would we do that? And totally fair. I mean, if they think they can mine more to those guys, then all power to them. But maybe they look at their team and think, man, we can win a title pretty soon here considering how good Luka Doncic is and what he just did almost to the Clippers by himself in the first round of the playoffs maybe we move on from Josh Green and Tyrell Terry to really bolster our chances this coming season and it's a totally fine trade-off if you're the Raptors you know you're hoping I guess that one of those guys hits even just one of Green Terry and then Precious Achua from the Heat if one of those guys hits and becomes a nice rotation player for you, someone you've figured into the plans going long term here, then maybe you're okay with it. Maybe you're you accept it and you say, yeah, like it's not the ideal return, I guess, but you get a couple flyers, you get a couple projects, a six foot five sort of defense and shooting first guard in Josh Green. Maybe that's something worth you know, throwing in the G League and giving him some developmental tutelage and all of that stuff. Tyrell Terry was a good shooter in college. Maybe he can become something. If one of those three guys hits, you're probably pretty happy if you're the Raptors. And so that's kind of the deal you're looking at. Again, it doesn't seem terribly likely that something is going to come to fruition here. It seems like the Mavericks are, you know, pretty hell-bent on, you know, keeping... Dwight Powell, I suppose, and not taking on that Drogic money, again, could all just be posturing and trying to get the best position. It's hard to say, but if the Raptors can't get that deal back, I don't think they should trade Goran Drogic to the Mavericks because I don't think it's worth it. I think, yes, Powell would be nice, but he would also probably mean that Ken Birch doesn't come back. You know, he hasn't signed anywhere, so I'm assuming they're just kind of waiting to see what they're going to have to give him. I'm guessing the mid-level exception will be what Ken Birch gets, or at least a portion of it, like Aaron Baines got last year. Feels like that's not too much of a concern. But, you know, if you bring back Powell, that maybe makes it so Birch is expendable. And are you happy with that? You know, you probably would be. Powell is a pretty good player. I think you could argue him and Birch are kind of similar in that they do that sort of nitty gritty stuff quite well. Maybe Birch has a little bit more untapped potential. I don't really know. He's a couple of years younger. But either way, that's kind of the deal you're looking at. Green, Terry, and uh, Dwight Powell. And if you can't get that, I think keeping Goran Dragic is totally the reasonable move. And I'll get into that coming up in just one second here and ask the question, what if they just keep Goran Dragic? Is that so bad? Uh, we'll get to that in one sec here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar who are making the best tasting protein bars money can buy. They're amazing. They've got two, uh, you can get mixed boxes where you get two of each of their nine staple flavors, which include favorites like cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie, cherry barcia, all are freaking fantastic. The orange one is really good as well. It tastes like a Terry's chocolate orange, except it's much healthier for you than a Terry's chocolate orange. It's it's great. Uh, you can also uh, find sometimes some little limited time flavors appearing on the site as well, like grasshopper cookie or birthday cake or whatever it might be. They appear from time to time, and they are certainly worth ordering when they do appear, and they don't last long 
They're also good for you as well. They feel like you're cheating. It feels like you're having like a chocolate bar or a candy bar, whatever it is. And instead, you're getting 17 to 18 grams of protein, just 130 to 80 calories, just 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. All flavors taste great, and they're all good for you. Go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your next order. That is the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, let's continue on here and dive into the question, entertain the notion that perhaps Goran Dragic staying with the Raptors is not the worst thing to ever happen. Based on my sort of interactions with folks online, which I guess is not the most representative sample, but it's what I got, some folks don't seem so happy about Goran Dragic potentially sticking around. There's some bad blood there. He tried to trip OG Ananobi in a game last year. I'm sure there was an elbow or something thrown at some given time in a Raptors game. Goran Dragic is kind of a heel, and that's you know kind of what makes him Goran Dragic, and that's fine. As someone pointed out on Twitter, he brings snaky bullshit to the table, which honestly, having some snaky bullshit after losing Kyle Lowry, the king of snaky bullshit, is not the worst thing to have in the world. And so I've, I thought this the second the reporting came across that suggested Dragic might, might, might be the return for Kyle Lowry. I don't think it's a bad idea to just hang on to him. I really don't. He is someone who kind of addresses a need, which is he can create in the half court for you, create separation, create for others, find his own shot. You know, if you have him coming off the bench and maybe closing some games here and there, depending on who's hot and whatever, I think there's a real role for Goran Dragic on this team. We know the Raptors like to play with three point guards. Having Van Vliet, who we know struggles when it comes to scoring at the basket and is maybe not equipped to be the lead ball handler running an offense. If you have Dragic next to him, Malachi Flynn next to him as well, you know, I, I think there's something that can be done there. You can play three-point guard lines if you really wanted to, or you could play two of those point guards at all times, or most times. you got Gary Trent obviously mixing in there as well. Easy to scale down. You could play like a Fred, Dragic, Barnes, Ananobi, Siakam lineup and get super weird and small and switchy and all that. I think there's a lot of utility to having Goran Dragic around. It's a young team. It's a team that's kind of emerging from the shadow of Kyle Lowry. Goran Dragic wouldn't have that same sort of shadow, but he might bring some of the things that Kyle Lowry brought in terms of just like veteran tutelage and kind of coaching guys along. You know, not having any vets on the team who are older than 27 is a bit of a gamble. And I think Dragic could help in that department as well. There's also the fact that he could play himself into being a good trade asset come deadline time, and maybe that's when you finally cash in on him and get something back for him to complete the Kyle Lowry transaction, and you can kind of sit back and sort of view the Lowry stuff from a grander perspective. You know, I know right now it seems like there aren't many teams out there. That's why the Mavericks are kind of the only team where it really makes sense. But the regular season happens. Injuries happen. Teams get desperate. Teams realize, oh shit, our team's pretty good. Maybe we can pay the tax and it's not such a big deal. Let's make a deal. You know, that happens all the time, and Dragic is someone who's been to the finals in the last couple of seasons, gone on lots of deep playoff runs, has played well in the postseason. He seems like a kind of guy who at the deadline would be highly coveted. And so I think there's plenty of reason to just have him on the team and keep him around. Yes, he's kind of a heel, but also... Raptors fans and Toronto sports fans love a heel. They love a Jose Bautista. They love a Darcy Tucker. They love a PJ Tucker. Like, I guess all dudes named Tucker are, are kind of heels. Like, 
get dudes who are mean, who other people hate playing against. That's, again, what Kyle Lowry has always been. And just because he's he was on the Raptors, it didn't seem like that. But absolutely, people hate playing against Kyle Lowry. And the same thing, I think, goes for Goran Dragic. And it feels like he'd be someone who Raptors fans like fall in love with head over heels with, within like a month. I know it seems unsavory, but he really does provide a lot of interesting things that the Raptors could use. And it just... To me, you're not going to buy him out. You get nothing for buying him out. And if you're really upset about the return for Kyle Lowry being a year of Goran Dragic and Precious Atua as well as a second-round pick, look, I kind of get that. Obviously, they could have traded for traded him for more at the deadline. Presumably, we don't know what the exact offers were, so we can't say that for certain anyway. But as I kind of said yesterday, I don't really care about playing the, you know, milk the most possible assets thing with a franchise legend like Kyle Lowry. And also, like, what do you really hand-wringing over in terms of lost opportunities for the Raptors this offseason. There's really only one guy that stands out as, man, if they had just gotten cap space and not done the sign-and-trade thing and played hardball with the Heat, maybe Lowry just goes and walks into their cap space or walks into someone else's cap space and they have cap space to use of their own, and you can throw it at, like, Rashawn Holmes. He's literally the only guy who is a realistic target for the Raptors that I think you can be upset about the Raptors not getting. John Collins was a pipe dream. I will admit that as the greatest John Collins pipe dreamer in the world, that was always a pipe dream that was really, really not going to happen in all likelihood. It was worth trying probably, but with the extension he just got from the Hawks, he got more per year than the Raptors could have even gotten to in terms of cap space. So that's not really a thing to hand ring over. Lonzo Ball felt like he was destined to go to the Bulls basically the entire like last four months. That's not something to be upset about. And also Lonzo Ball, I don't think, would have really addressed what the Raptors desperately need, which is half-court creation from the backcourt players. When it comes to the Rashawn Holmes thing, yes, I get it. The Raptors had no centers last season. It was a nightmare. You want good center play once again. People seem to be forgetting that Ken Birch provided pretty reasonable center play, and if they can bring him back on a reasonable contract, I think you can totally expect he'll provide more reasonable center play. You get the project in Precious Achua, and you have a million front court players where you can scale down and play small, whether it's Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi, freaking Scotty Barnes. Like, small ball will be a thing the Raptors play this year, and it will be with larger players. It will be not with, you know, three dudes under 6'4 in the backcourt. It's going to be a different kind of small ball, which will be a more effective kind of small ball because it will be larger person ball with the sort of spirit of small slash skill ball. So you're getting your sort of up, you're up in arms over Rashawn Holmes, which again, totally fair. Rashawn Holmes is a good player. I viewed him as a nice addition potentially would have helped with their rim pressure and scoring around the basket, but also I have red flags about his defense. I know the numbers paint him as a good rim protector, but I have a hard time believing that, you know, the, those are entirely indicative numbers where he's like an 84th percentile rim protector on a team that was literally the worst defensive team we've ever seen in last year's Sacramento Kings. And so I think maybe you, yes, the contract of of like four years, 55 is like not at all prohibitive for him. Pretty reasonable contract, but, or was it five years, 55? Either way, like he got a pretty cheap deal that the uh, Kings were able to sign him to. The Raptors could have thrown that money at him for sure. But Rashawn Holmes is not making or breaking your team or your roster. He really is not. I promise you that. He doesn't create for himself. He's dependent on other people to get the ball to him and all of that stuff. I just, I don't think Rashawn Holmes not landing in Toronto is a reason to be like, oh no, Masai's lost his fastball. The team has no direction. What is the plan here? 
if you're hand-wringing over Rashawn Holmes, that's really the only thing to hand-wring over, and it just feels like maybe you're wasting the energy of, you know, just kind of trying to be mad because a free agent didn't land with the Raptors, and they didn't they struck out when plan A all along was Giannis, and then plan B kind of came this sort of mythical, oh, cap space, who knows? As the market bared out, Holmes really was plan B, and if you didn't get plan B and Rashawn Holmes was it, I don't think that's the end of the world. You go in next season, if you keep Goran Dragic, you keep a lineup... Uh, that looks like this. I kind of did the depth chart on my notes app and kind of I tweeted it out recently, but it looks like this. A point guard, you got Fred, you got Malachi Flynn, you got Delano Banton, who probably plays a lot of 905 time. You've got Gary Trent, Goran Dragic, David Johnson, also probably a lot of 905 time. At the wings, you've got OG Ananobi, Scotty Barnes, Sam Decker, which, blah, you know, we talked about that. And then in the front court, you've got Siakam, Boucher, Yuta Watanabe, probably cycles in 3-4, whatever the position's going to be. And then in the big man spot, you have Ken Birch, Preston Achua, Freddie Gillespie. Hypothetical when it comes to Birch, maybe even Gillespie. We're not sure if he'll be back yet for sure. But that's the roster as it kind of stands right now. you got Justin Champagne as a two-way guy as well, kind of locked in already. That roster is not sexy, but it runs like 12 deep. You have a lot of good players there. You have a lot of interchangeability. And you have, most importantly, a lot of internal growth to count on. You have almost certainly a jump once again from OG Ananobi. You've got Pascal Siakam probably in line for a bit of a bounce back after last year, particularly from three-point range. You've got Scotty Barnes, who is a fourth overall pick, and there's plenty of upside there, even if it's going to take some time. Malachi Flynn is going to improve. He looks like very much the type of guy who walks into year two, and it's kind of unrecognizable as to what he was. Even Gary Trent, even though we kind of paint him as this sort of one-dimensional three-point shooter who does nothing else and doesn't pass, Plenty of room for internal development there, not to mention Fred Van Vliet getting more comfortable in the role and all that stuff as well. Fred Van Vliet, like, as the lead point guard, I was a little bit more sort of concerned about that being the thing until this past season when he really saw an uptick in his peripheral numbers. He kind of started doing the Kyle Lowry thing, where even when there are crooked shooting lines, he's helping drive winning basically whenever he's on the floor. After that, you've got Chris Boucher, who's going to score points for you and is fun. Yuta Watanabe, there's some growth there potentially. You know, Precious Achua, good defensive player. Maybe he develops a little bit more of an offensive game. That's a bit of a lottery ticket. You've got Goran Dragic, proven like dude who's just going to score buckets for you, run your offense capably, you know, get 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 pressure on the rim. Very important thing the Raptors have lacked. There's a lot of internal development to be had there. If you're looking at this team and saying this team needs to win a title, your expectations are way off. And I think any sort of viewing this season as some sort of title contention year uh, is just wrong and also like kind of just missing the point. They just won a title two years ago. I know everyone's like, oh, it's forgotten now. But look, every time a team wins a title, more often than not, after that title, things get a little bit ugly because you've basically sold your soul to win a title in a lot of ways. And that's what the Raptors are going through right now, except it's to a way lesser degree than teams that could completely like veer off the cliff you know the heat lost lebron and then were this kind of middling weirdo team and then they got these enormous contracts on the books where they tried to sort of overcompensate they're good now they made a finals recently but there was a downtime for the heat there the cavaliers still stink and have not turned things around since lebron left the raptors have not done that they have stayed respectable and if not for covid and a horrible season last year all of it, I mean, not, not all of it, but a lot of it due to circumstance, the team is not nearly this sort of downtrodden in terms of how people are viewing it. 
There are a lot of good players on the team. Is it a championship team? Absolutely not. But also, the expectations should not be terribly high. You go in, it's probably a play-in level roster with a little bit of upper mobility. Maybe you get a five or six seed if the Hawks you know, fall back to earth or the Celtics continue to spiral or the Knicks continue to you know, throw enormous money at players who aren't good anymore. Like There's lots of different ways the Raptors could move up with internal development and growth. And if things go horribly then next summer is the time to take a look and say, all right, maybe this is, you know, there's some flaws here in terms of the core, and maybe you move things a summer from now, while also probably adding a pretty decent lottery pick to the mix because things have gone off the rails. Goran Dragic can help you ensure things don't go off the rails. He can help you run that second unit. He can run closing lineups. He can do a lot of different things, and I think unless you're getting a pretty good return from him, for him from the Dallas Mavericks, he is not worth just giving up on because he can actually tangibly help you be good while also balancing development. So that's my Goran Dragic spiel. Keep Goran Dragic around if you can't get a good deal for him. There's nothing wrong with it, and those who are apprehensive about it will surely love him within like the, the first half of hour he plays in terms of real time because he will probably do something that annoys an opponent that makes Raptors fans go wee like he's that he's that kind of player he's fun he's weird he's a pest and people in Toronto tend to love that type of dude so that's the Goran Dragic soliloquy I suppose keep him around the roster looks just fine with him and you can kind of attain your goals for next season which again should not be all that lofty you can certainly attain them and Dragic can help you do that with that, we'll move into the final segment and say goodbye to four dearly departed Toronto Raptors, Aaron Baines, DeAndre Bembry, Paul Watson Jr., and Rodney Hood. We'll get to that in one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com who are wonderful. They're saving you money when you go to the mechanic, and everyone wants to save money at the mechanic. The mechanic is trying to charge you all of the money they possibly can for the parts that you need for your car. Rockauto.com is not doing that. They're saving you tons of money, 30, 50, 70% sometimes on what you'd be paying at a chain store for the parts that you need. They're a family business. They've been doing it for 20 years, and they have reliably low prices for every customer, professional or do-it-yourselfer alike. They have everything you could need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpets, whatever it is, go and explore their easy website today to find the part that you need with lots of options. It's not just one part like you get at the mechanic. You get three, four, five, six, ten options to choose from, and you can pick the cheapest or the one that you like the most for your car. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car and truck. Right locked on in their How'd You Hear About Us box. So they know that we sent you as well. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, let's finish things off here. Some news came down today and yesterday. Aaron Baines is no longer on the Raptors. He was waived. His guarantee date was later on today. There was some thought that he could potentially be put into a deal for the uh, like for the Dragic thing and sort of use the salary ballast. And, and you know, I, I'm not really sure why that was a thing. I, the salary cap you know, confusion is a thing there, I suppose. But I, you know, th that was just an option. That's not going to happen now. He's been waived. He's no longer on the Raptors. It was a not great season for Aaron Baines in Toronto. By the end, I kind of just felt bad. I know it was a pile on Aaron Baines season, and he was quite bad at basketball, but also the circumstances sucked. He had just had a newborn baby when the season began, playing in Tampa, playing on a team where, you know, things were kind of crumbling around him with COVID and, and everything like that. He obviously didn't bring what he needed to bring to the table for the team. He couldn't rebound. He did not hit threes. When he did take threes, they were odious and terrible to watch. It was a rough time. But, you know, it kind of piled on at the end to the point where I just kind of felt bad for Aaron Baines. I wish him all the best. I'm glad he's having fun over the Olympics with Australia. And I hope he can 
land with some team somewhere. And if not, then it was a fun little career for Aaron Baines. He put together a nice career, made a lot of money. Good for Aaron Baines. But yeah, he's not someone you're going to miss if you're a Toronto Raptors fan. Same goes for Rodney Hood. I mean, my dream was Rodney Hood gets included in a draft day trade for Miles Turner. That agenda fell apart, sadly. Um, And he was never coming back to the team on the $10 million he was going to potentially be owed if the Raptors had opted in. He, of course, is no longer with the team. He signed with the Milwaukee Bucks. Good for him. He gets to go be a depth piece on a contender. That's fun for him. Um, We'll always have, I guess, the first half against the Thunder where he scored like 13 points and then got hurt and then never really came back. Um, It seemed like for a second Rodney Hood was going to fix the, you know, bench unit's inability to score. That lasted not very long. But it was cool to watch a fun, quirky lefty play basketball for the Raptors, I suppose. Love a lefty. And Rodney Hood certainly was one. Um, The other two to touch on here are a little bit more interesting. DeAndre Bembry... This kind of got squeezed, I think, by the fact that there were two second-round picks the Raptors are bringing in. We don't know what kind of contracts they're going to get. I would bet one of them probably gets a two-way. Maybe one of them gets a real NBA deal. Hard to say, but... I mean, Delano Banton might just work for the social team, as uh, our our friend Blake Murphy pointed out. Uh, He's just been making the rounds, getting Scotty Barnes acquainted with Toronto. The value there is unbelievable. Um, He might never play a single game, but he was already worth a second-round pick at this point. The most Toronto mans a Toronto mans has ever Toronto mansed. Um, So there's Delano Banton. So with Banton and Johnson and just the sort of roster crunch, it felt like Benbury kind of got squeezed a little bit. He would have been someone I was okay bringing back. Also, maybe he fits better on a really good team. We saw the sort of limits of Benbury this season, especially in the times where the Raptors were hit with COVID and injury. He was forced to like be a secondary creator in starting lineups and stuff. It just was never going to work. He was a really nice connector as a fifth option, a great cutter, a good defender, sort of jumping in passing lanes and then hitting the odd three here and there. He had some nice games. I liked him as a dude. He seemed like a really good vibes guy. Um, you know, I, I'm not surprised that he's no longer on the team, though. He kind of just, it seemed like he maybe got squeezed, and that's okay. With Paul Watson Jr., it's a little bit more curious, and maybe it's not curious. Again, roster construction, they drafted Scotty Barnes, who's a wing. They draft David Johnson, who's a wing. They've got Utah, who proved to be really, really promising last year, and you figure there's something to mine there in terms of upward potential. Maybe it's just there was never going to be minutes for Paul Watson. He's actually better off going somewhere else where he can get more run, fill out the roster for a team that might be in need of his services. But I ultimately just feel really bad for Paul Watson Jr. He was kind of on the track. He was one of the 10 Raptors to score 30 points in a game this season, which is a fun little trivia item. Um, And, you know, he, he seemed like he was kind of carving himself out a role as a bench scorer and then COVID hits and he misses basically the rest of the season and and, you know you feel terrible for a guy like that and that's like the real sort of human impact of COVID on the league and the very real impact that all these guys at sort of back ends of rosters are always subject to right like the littlest thing can derail your hopes of carving out a long-term role and potentially making life-changing money and I feel really bad for Paul Watson He worked his ass off with the G League team, gets that 10-day with the Hawks, comes back to the 905, gets a two-way deal with the Raptors, and just kind of looked like he was going to, you know, turn himself into one of those Raptors success stories. Obviously, he was a little bit older. I think he was like 27, 28, uh, and, and, you know, maybe he's a little bit further on in his development curve, and maybe there wasn't too much more to milk out there. But also, the things that he did do, the shooting, the nice little bits of defense, the, you know, ability to put the ball in the deck a little bit, 
nice nice things to have it maybe didn't come on all to come together consistently enough or whatever but uh i mostly just feel bad for paul watson because it was a horrible adverse circumstance that he really had no control over with covid and it may put an end to his nba career hopefully he lands somewhere for kelsey o'brien i'm hoping very very deeply he ends up somewhere um our dear friend kelsey who loves paul watson as she should because paul watson rocks um but it just the roster squeeze was not there it was kind of a decision between him and like freddie gillespie i would assume as that sort of last guy on the roster and considering the lack of center depth i understand why gillespie's still around and hey maybe there's room for paul watson on a two-way or something like that maybe he's looking for a full nba deal after already kind of playing the two-way game but if you have paul watson you're probably expending gillespie and maybe that's a, a move some people would have made but certainly it's not an easy call when you're kind of sitting down the barrel of what the hell's our center situation going to be as the drogage thing still kind of hangs up in limbo and with that, I think that's probably where we can leave off the show. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. Hopefully this isn't outdated immediately, and hopefully we maybe tomorrow get some clarity on the Drogit situation as opposed to at like 4.45, an hour and a half after this probably posts. Um, but either way, thank you, as always, for tuning in. And uh, please go listen to yesterday's episode where Vivek and I kind of broke down the Kyle Lowry stuff. Again, we're going to do a lot of Kyle Lowry eulogizing in the next week. Looking back on his career, next week is going to be basically all Kyle Lowry-themed. Also, we're going to talk to Dave Ramil from Locked on Heat later this week about the sign-and-trade and Drogic and Achua and all that stuff. It's going to be a good episode on Friday you should tune into for sure. Uh, but that'll do it here. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday with uh, an episode. Again, who knows what we'll be talking about. I'm sure something will take place. Um, but that will be tomorrow's show and then uh, or that's Thursday. I don't know what the hell day it is. It'll be Thursday's show and then Friday we'll talk to Dave about the Heat trade. Anyway, that's going to do it. We'll talk to you again on Thursday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Bye-bye.